I also uh, fix and flip homes and do ground up development of residential, you know, single family homes. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, developers are the most exposed, right? Because yeah. if you're just sitting on wrong land mm-hmm. and, and things start to go down, you know, we're the first ones to, to get ousted. Yep. <laughs> so totally, um, I'm very aware of that. And uh, I have a lot of investors who I'm responsible for their money, you know, so, yep. and I don't take that light, lightly. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I got a good one for you, and I'm excited about it, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. I will say there was a little bit of audio issues. Uh, We were having a connection problem, so hopefully that's not too distracting for you and you can look past that. Tons and tons of good information, really, really good, strong interview. Um, You'll just have to deal with a little bit of technical issues, but again, uh, I think it's all okay. We get it. Sometimes this stuff happens and hopefully uh, it doesn't distract you too much. But today on the show, I have the co-founder of Keiko Capital, a guy who began his real estate investing career in 2011. 11 in Southern California while in college. After graduating, he moved back to Hawaii, where he currently is managing his business from. Not a bad place to run your empire from, if I do say so myself. He's been involved in multiple investment deals, ranging from relocation, renovation, to new home development projects. He's featured on multiple national real estate investing podcasts, and he's a sought-after guest speaker. My guest today is Corey Nimodo, and he was a really fun interview. This guy's done a lot. He has some really cool strategies, different than other people that I've heard of in the industry for uh, financing deals, for finding and, and keeping the pipeline full of deals, which is what we all need to do a little bit more of, if I do say so myself. I always need more deals in the pipeline. There's never enough, and Corey's got a different structure and strategy for that. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to the interview. I'm excited for you guys to meet Corey. So Without any further delay, I give you Corey. Hey, Corey, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for hopping on with me, and thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. I've I've been looking forward to uh, being on your show. Yeah, thank you. I've been looking forward to having you on. Uh, I said it before we got started. We do a little cyber stalking on our guests before we have them on so that I can speak somewhat intelligently about what you have going on. And I really, as I dug into you a little bit and started doing some research, I realized there's a lot of interesting things that you are good at talking about that you have a knowledge of. And uh, I can't wait to dive into those. But before we get too deep into what you know now, let's talk about how you got involved in real estate. Maybe talk about your life pre-real estate. What did that look like? And then how did you actually get into real estate? Why did you get into real estate? Okay, sure. Um, well, life pre-real estate was uh, pretty normal, honestly. <laughs> like uh, I was taking the traditional route, you know, going to school, um, uh, you know, get my degree in, I got my degree in kinesiology, so exercise science. Um, and I had a minor in marketing because I started to get um, kind of interested in business at towards the later part of my degree. And I think I always had the entrepreneur spirit in me and I just didn't know what it was. So, um, what really kind of put me over the edge is, um, my last year in school, I was, I guess I was nervous or I had a feeling of anxiety because I knew I, I paid like thousands of dollars to to finish school and I just didn't want to 
go into the exercise science field, you know? So yeah. I felt a little trapped, right? And um, so I was getting anxious and a little scared. Um, but so I ended up, my my father always told me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki. And um, I hated to read at the time. And I really kind of was at my last and yeah, like I, I needed answers, you know, to do something. So I, I finally read Rich Dad Poor Dad at the beginning of like my last um, year in college. And it just changed my life. The book changed my life. And yeah. not so much with the tangible knowledge, like it was more about, cause I always had that feeling in me, like, you know, is this going to be my life where I just work, you know, a nine to five yeah. and save for retirement and, you know, pray that it, it's enough to get me to the end. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I just didn't seem like a great business plan to me. And, uh, and reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, it really put me at ease because I realized that, you know what, it's okay to have these feelings that you don't want to work, you know, cause I'm, I don't, I feel like I'm not, I'm not a lazy person. If anything, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but I felt lazy and I felt a little bit ashamed to have those feelings that I don't want to work. Yeah. You know, forever. Yeah. And so that's, that's why the book really hit me, you know, straight in the, the feels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal. I mean, a lot of, I had the same feeling and you know, you mentioned that you were kind of an entrepreneur and didn't even know it. And I've asked this question to other guests, but I'd love to get your perspective on this. Do you think that entrepreneurs are born or do you think that they can be made? Oh, that's a great question. I think there are a few that are born. Uh, they're just, they're just born to do it. And then I think the, I, I feel the majority though, they are, there's a light switch kind of like me. I don't think I was born to be an entrepreneur. Um, I think as I, I think I had the traits of an entrepreneur. Uh, but I think learning from different mentors and kind of in life, you know, like even some of my, like my uncle was like a, I didn't know it at the time, but he was like a mentor to me as growing up. Cause I was always the smallest kid, you know, in class. And so I, um, they're, they're heavy in martial arts. So they would train me and looking back now I see all the life lessons, you know, and it, it was a mentorship. Yeah. Um, so learning from just people around me, I feel did kind of push me to a certain mindset that I do want to chase, you know, entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't realize it. So yeah, that's a great question though. I yeah. mean, I, maybe in a few years I might have a different opinion. On that, but. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of with <laughs> you. On that, by the way, I'd like to hear your yeah. Um, so my opinion is, and I'm, I don't want to, I'll make it quick because my audience has heard it, but my, so my opinion is I do think that there are people who are born entrepreneurs and you hear about these kids that like they were, they were selling baseball cards and mowing lawns and like doing all these things to try to make money. And I never did that stuff. So as a, as a kid, I wasn't entrepreneurial. I didn't have that in me, but I'll tell you what, as I got older, I started having the same feelings you had. Like, is this really what I'm going to do? Is this like what my life is? It feels like I'm something's missing. Like something isn't right. And it was more than just not liking my job or being, you know, not content with what I had, but it was more like, feels like I'm doing the wrong thing right now. Like, I don't feel like this is where I belong. And when I did actually start my business and I started off as a house flipper, 
the first house I flipped and made money, I was like, this feels right. This feels like what I'm in, what I'm supposed to be. So I think that there's like, you know, it's a weird kind of, it's a weird kind of an analogy, but I'll say it cause it's in my head. It's almost like there's these entrepreneur sleeper cells. They, they don't even really realize it until they're activated. And then they go, Oh crap, this is what I am. This is who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. Right? So I think it can be dormant inside of people and it just needs the right the right, you know, ingredients or the right environment to stimulate it and have it grow. And that's that's what happened to me. I, I was absolutely on the like corporate track for a number of years and had no interest in in doing my own business until I actually did it. And then I was like, whoa, this feels absolutely right. So I don't know. I think sometimes they're made or maybe even if they're not made, maybe everyone's born to be an entrepreneur, but you just need the right environment or the right the right circumstances to bring it out of you. Because I think there are people who are not entrepreneurs. Yeah. No matter what you do, they're never going to start their own business. They're never going to be interested in that. Yeah, actually, I like that. I like that because I, I do feel like the true entrepreneurs, they, we all share traits, right? We have a certain amount of risk tolerance, yep. ambition, inspiration. And so I think we all share th- those traits. And maybe along the line, some people just don't get to unlock that. Yeah. You know, and, and whether it's their environment or, or anything else. But yep. yeah. totally, totally. I think there's some people probably go their whole life without ever getting that entrepreneurial itch, but they would have been really, really good if someone would have just nurtured that or they would have hit rock bottom or whatever it takes for certain people to, to kind of get to that point. Um, but yeah, I, anyways, that's kind of a diversion. I'm just curious because you mentioned that. So, yeah. so, so you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What was your first uh, real estate investment or how did you like break into this, this world? I broke into this world by basically working for a couple other investors in uh, Riverside, California. And, um, that's like Southern California. And I was their door knocker for a year oh, okay. out there. So my final year in college, I ended up just door knocking for them. And this was in 2012. Okay. So the market was still recovering and yep. it was brutal, dude. What, what, tell me, tell me <laughs> but, the talk tracks. What, what's the, what do you say when you do, do, do somebody answers the door? What is it you say? How did you work that, that kind of a lead? At first I, I, I made the mistake. I didn't have at least a basic script or bullet points, you know, <laughs> okay. because my mentors at the time, they kind of just threw me out there. Here's a list. Here's questions that you need to have answered right? Yeah. Build rapport, get those answers and then report back, you know, any leads that we can help. Wow. And it was interesting because they were do they were flipping notes at the time. Okay. So they were uh, flipping uh, jumbo loans. Okay. Um, and I think they call, they refer to it on the forums as backflipping. Oh, so wow. at the time there was a lot of houses that were upside down with jumbo loans uh, yep. in 2012. Yep. So the the non-conforming limit was like 450 for a single family out in Riverside, California. Okay. So they would have me, they'd give me a list of all the people who are upside down with jumbo loans. And what they would do is I would my job was to to find people that I can help who are in that situation. So they had to be upside down. They had to have um a jumbo loan and then they also had to have been current with their payments. And they, the last thing is they had to have um, wanted to stay in the house okay. because basically the investor, my mentors would go and negotiate with the homeowner's bank and buy the note from, from the lender at a steep discount. 
Okay. And then we would have the homeowner go and refinance out. Uh-huh. Um, and okay. so maybe like, uh, this is actually kind of like a real deal. Um, I remember like one, like a property was worth a million or the, the property was worth a million dollars and the, the loan was 1.2. Okay. So they're upside down 200,000. It's a jumbo loan. Yep. Um, the owners, uh, the investors that I was working for went to the bank and negotiated it down the, to buy the note for, I think it was like 800,000. And then they'd have the homeowner go and refi for like 900,000 or 850 or 875. So the investor gets to make a, a yeah. profit. Right. And uh, the homeowner gets to stay in the house and then they're no longer upside down. In fact, they have equity. Yeah. You know, so that's cool. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty cool strategy. Did you, did you ever try that strategy yourself once you stopped working for them or was that something you didn't do? No, no? I've never done that actually myself. Well, mostly because the mark, the, the yeah. market that we're in is not, it's not suited for that strategy anymore. Yeah, exactly. But perhaps, you know, if things turn, then uh, that is something I'd like to look into. Well, let's uh, talk about that actually, Corey. I, I was going to get to this much later in the interview, but I want to get your perspective since it came up. What do you think people can expect to see in the market over the next 12 to 18 months? Like what, again, just disclaimer, nobody has a crystal ball. No one's making any guarantees, but what do you think? What are you preparing for? And what do you think might happen? You know, I've been, I've already been wrong. So when things are going, uh, <laughs> going down, like when, when COVID hit, yeah. I was like, guys brace for impact, you know? And, uh, if anything, Hawaii, I'm in Hawaii. So Hawaii's market is just white hot yeah. and it's due to the low inventory and low interest rates yep. like across the nation. Yep. Um, so I feel that I'm a little bit more optimistic now, but I'm still in the same mindset where um, our company is preparing for the worst and hoping for the best, you yeah. know, and I'd rather be proactive than reactive. Right. Cause I also uh, fix and flip homes and do ground up development of residential, you know, single family homes. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, developers are the most exposed, right? Cause yeah. if you're just sitting on wrong land mm-hmm. and, and things start to go down, you know, we're the first ones to, to get ousted. Yep. <laughs> so totally. um, I'm very aware of that. And uh, I have a lot of investors who I'm responsible for their money, you know? So, yep. and I don't take that light, lightly. For me, I, I feel that it, it's gonna be market specific so like some markets are going to get hit hard and some markets are going to thrive yeah. because uh, like, for instance, in Hawaii, we rely heavily on tourism yep. to drive our local economy here. Yep. And tourism is just getting crushed. Hotels yeah. are getting crushed. Airlines. That's a lot of jobs, you know, like thousands of jobs just got um, kind of furloughed uh, for Hawaiian Airlines, which is a big company here yeah. that employs a lot of uh, local people here. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, I don't see how that don't see a residual effect from this. Um, but in, in certain other markets, like perhaps, you know, more inland, like I, I heard, uh, like there's a lot of people we're in Seattle too. So me and my business partner flip houses in Seattle, Washington. Okay. And we were noticing a big, movement from the Seattle area into like Idaho, okay, uh, Boise area. And okay. so 
Um, I think I think Seattle will be strong anyways because there's a lot of tech companies there, big Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. Uh, but there is definitely people moving to like places in Idaho. So I think uh, like markets in like Idaho or something might thrive. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's going to be market specific. Okay. You said that you're preparing for the worst mm-hmm. and hoping for the best. Just high level. What do you, what do you mean by prepare for the worst? What is, what does that entail? Well, for me, so I'm, uh, I'm very careful about buying right now. Uh, and cause I don't mind missing out on a opportunity if it means that, you know, I, I have to sacrifice that for, you know, the sake of just waiting things out and kind of surveying the land yeah. to see what's going to happen because I rather do that than, you know, be overly optimistic, aggressive, and then expose myself and my investors, um, you know, and get caught in if things do turn this. Uh, so right now I'm wrapping up all of my development projects. I'm kind of stepping on the gas. I'm actually throwing more money into the, into the projects to help speed it up. Yeah. We were also pre-selling now, which I've never done um, before. Because I, I've always wanted to come go to market with my best foot forward. Yeah. Uh, but since these times, you know, we're, we're pre-selling, trying to uh, get under contract and we are getting under contract. We're trying to take advantage of the hot market right now yeah. while it lasts, you know, and, Yep. That makes total sense. Yep. I like that. Um, so you're in Seattle, you're doing uh fix and flips. And by the way, just from my perspective, I I've had a people on this show. Uh, nobody thinks that nothing's going to happen. So when you say you were, you were wrong once, I think you were just early. I don't know that you're wrong. I think you're early. I think there's going to be an impact. So I, I've had people on the show say by the end of the year, get ready. It's going to be Armageddon. And I've had people say, Hey, it could take another 12 months and it'll be, less severe than we what we experienced in 08, but still noticeable. So I don't know what exactly is going to happen. Nobody really does, but um, I think something's going to happen. I think it's important for people to understand and not be totally oblivious to the fact that the market's going to change. It's white hot right here in Michigan. So I'm pretty far from you and everything from me to you and everything in between, I think is pretty white hot right now because low inventory, high demand. Um, but I think we are about to hit some sort of a turn in the market for sure. And honestly, it's like, if it weren't for COVID, like it's been 12 years, 10, 12 years, it just happens. If you look back over history, every, every decade ish, there's something, a little correction. So it was bound to happen. I think COVID is just probably going to put a little bit of an amplifying effect on it, but it was going to happen anyway. Um, so Tell me a little bit about, I know that you uh, started a fund and, and I have so much I want to talk to you about, but I'm just looking at my notes and this is sort of like next on my list and I, and I want to make sure we hit it because it's kind of a cool thing. Um, it's called Keiko Capital and you've started this fund to help uh, fix and flip and different investors with different um, needs for funding get funding for their properties. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why did you start it, number one? And, um, and, and how's that going and how does it sort of structured and what could people expect when they go and check that out? Yeah. Um, I actually, reasons why we decided to start the fund, uh, was we, my business partner, Kekola and I, we decided to vertically integrate our company. So in Seattle, we're pretty vertical. We have, um, we all, we have ownership in a real estate brokerage out there. Uh, construction company and property management company. And so the fund was kind of our uh, last leg, but it was, it was our first idea 
but the last company to get farmed because there, <laughs> there's so much regulations and yeah. it's a, uh, it's a lot, you know, and it's a new space for us too. The, the banking side is way, it's a lot more different than the, the, op, you know, the investor side uh, when you're flipping yeah. houses or developing or construction. Yep. So, uh, but the second thing too, is we saw a huge need in the hard money space where a lot of the, uh, I guess lenders out there, uh, they have unlimited capital, you know, they're, they're backed by large institutions or they are the large institutions, the same ones that kind of work that back us. And what I, what we found is there's kind of like a in between where the, the money doesn't really understand the investor side and what we truly need yep. um, when it comes to like construction draws and, you know, everything else in, in helping the investor to, to close deals for one and execute and then move on to the next one, you know, and help them scale. So that's where we feel that we came in with a kind of a fresh look with the investor mindset. So I kind of, our model is like, you know, we're funding for investors by investors, you know, cause we're investors as well. Yep. So we're, I always, we always say like, we don't just cut loans, you know, and I, I'm not afraid to turn down a deal just if I feel like maybe they're not ready for it, even though it's a good deal, I, I would feel, you know, I would let them know and maybe suggest a partner. And if they're not willing to, then I would, I would even give them a referral to someone else that they can go do the loan with, you know, if I, but I don't want to, you know, I'm not here to cut aggressive, like dirty loans. You know, I want to yeah. cut nice clean loans to, to people who I know can execute and it's not going to hurt them. Cause I mean, leverage, it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, like it can help you. It could be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but if you get over leveraged, you try to grow too fast. The, you know, I've seen people go upside down for that. Yep. And I just want, I, so that's what separates us. I feel. And, uh, okay. the, the finance side is very interesting. Yeah. I, I, I was on your website before we jumped on here and I see that you guys are in all 50 States where as even a lot of bigger, like hard money lenders and things aren't in all 50 States, you know, there's some States they don't go to for whatever reason. Um, why did you decide to go to all 50 and was that, was that like exponentially more difficult or is it pretty much not a huge deal to kind of go to all the States as opposed to just maybe just Hawaii and California and Seattle? Cause you kind of, you know, maybe have some familiarity with those areas. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's actually not that hard for us. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, and I'll explain how our fund is set up. So we are set up, basically, we're, we're like correspondent lenders. So we're backed by large institutions. We do close with private capital sometimes. Um, and But since we're, we're not the direct lender, it's, we don't, we're not stuck into one credit box. So if it doesn't fit our box, then we don't have to just say, sorry, you know? Yeah. We can like participate in that through one of the larger institutions. So for us, we're a lot more flexible and there's, there's plus, there's good and bad to being like a correspondent. And if you're a direct lender, you make the call and you know, like you can, you basically, if I'm the, fund manager and direct lender and I'm sitting on uh, cash from private investors or wall street or anything like that. Yeah. Then I can make the decision to close the loan or not. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm also stuck within our credit box and as a correspondent, 
we're, we are subject to our capital partners credit boxes, but we're flexible because we have multiple institutions that back us okay. um, that we're already pre-approved for and onboarded with. So that's why you know, we can be in all 50 states because we have big institutions that are kind of, their credit boxes are all different, okay. but we can move where it best the investors need. So when someone gets a loan through you, are you the one that interface with them from the start to the finish? Or do you kind of hand that loan off to the institution that backs you and you're just getting a different, are you just finding the loans and then kind of facilitating or are you like end to end dealing with that investor? Um, we're pretty much end to end, okay. but it we're our team basically processes the process, the loan to closing, okay. but they are, they're processing a lot right along side and we're underwriting right alongside our capital partner. Okay. So we're, we're as the, the loans being processed, we're right up, we're running right with our, our partners. Um, so we, we do have, there is a little bit of a back and forth sometimes. Um, if there's things that need to be cleared up, uh, in the deal or something doesn't look right. But so we have, a uh, in our own team, to close the loans though. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Is there anything like what, what should people know if they want to reach out, if they want to check you guys out, are there like personal credit checks? You know, I, I did look at your like loan to value and that kind of thing. So I know there's some, some safety precautions there, obviously for you as a lender, you're not just lending a hundred percent to anybody for all, you know, everything, but do you guys do credit checks? Is credit an issue? Is it, is it based off of the actual asset or is there a kind of a combination effect there? Yeah, so it is, there is a screening personally. We're primarily asset-based lenders, but we do have to, um, when the uh, we have a new investor come on board with us, we do have to pull credit. We do have to look at personal financial statements okay. or you know last few um, bank statements. And then once we get that done, uh, then they're good. We don't have to ask for it again, maybe in like a year, we might have to pull again, okay. Uh, but or maybe not, because if we have a good track record with that client, then then we just underwrite the the asset. Yeah, and okay. they're they're good to go. Okay, so we do okay. have to screen it initially personally, but after that, yeah, it's asset based. Yep. Okay. Cool. And I, I'm noticing here you do fix and flip, you do ground up construction, bridge loans, cash out refi, longer term stuff. Um, some residential financing, uh, in commercial, you guys do commercial. I didn't see that on the website, I guess, but it's in my notes. So somebody saw it. Okay. Yeah, we do do commercial. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. 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 That's awesome, man. That's very, very cool. I know I said, we're going to talk cause I'm, I'm kind of getting into that space a little bit, but we'll, I'll do that offline. It's not something I'm really announcing right now. Um, so let's talk about some of your strategies. I, some things that I'm really interested in that I saw in the research that we did is that you have some strategies for keeping your pipeline full. And I would say, at a time that we're in right now in the market, you said it yourself, it's white hot, which means everyone knows that they can get top dollar for their house. It's difficult to buy things at a discount. How are you guys keeping your pipeline full and what does that look like for you in, in Hawaii and Seattle and everywhere that you're, you're investing? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think, well, I know that basically the key to deal flow, I feel, is relationships. And it's hard to always give that answer because somebody wants like the tangible yeah. knowledge, right? Like what list do you pull yeah. or what marketing piece do you do? You signs or postcards or letters or right. to me, that's it. It all works. You know, like when you're first starting out, you gotta, you gotta market, you know, you gotta, 
hunt for, you know, you have to hunt for your own food, you know, you gotta, yep. you have to get out there, spend some money or partner with somebody who has money to help you market, you know, yep. do some marketing. But as you're doing that, I think you want to also start getting out there in whether now it's not meetups, right? Now it's more like virtual, like online or on forums or Facebook groups or something like that. Yeah. But start networking and building relationships. And I always say that um, it's best to figure out what value do you have try and look for that person. Powerful in my opinion, because you're building um, a network and with one person, there's a, they have their network and it, it can grow exponentially, you know, fast. And yeah. that is honestly the way I have built a, a nice, strong, steady deal flow over the years. It does take time, you know, cause you, you want to build genuine, you know, mutually beneficial lifelong, you know, relationships yeah. with people. And so it is a long, it, you are playing the long game, but once you hit a certain level, like the, you can't shut it off, you know, cause, and I've told people too, it's like, Hey, I'm not really looking to buy, but I'll help you wholesale it. You know, I got a lot yeah. of buyers in my network too. Yeah. yeah. And so, and we'll do the loans for you if you want to, you know, so that's uh, it, it's still, it's the deal flow still benefits me sure. all of the time that I spent building the relationships. Yeah. But that's yeah. the key. How do you make a hundred K in every deal? This jumped out at me too. Like, you know, some things are maybe a little bit regional or, st or state specific, but how are you making a hundred K? How do you make that claim? And what are you doing? I'm sure people really would love to make a hundred K on every deal. So what do you, how does that work in your, in your business? Oh man, I wish I could say that, you know, I'm sort of some sort of special dude, you know, but honestly, <laughs> uh, the markets that we're, we play ball in is a very strong equity market. Yeah. So, uh, like Hawaii is high dollar and so is Seattle. Right. So really it's the market we're in and also the deal flow that we have. Yeah. So what we just talked about the deal flow, I have, like, we have a strong deal flow so I can pick and choose which ones I want to do right. and which ones I want to just wholesale out or do the loans for. So that's really the reason, um, I've earned that right to do those type of deals. You know, like I, I pay my dues, you know, I, I started from the very bottom. And, uh, so, but you know, if you, if you're out there building your business kind of like the right way and yeah. you're not too, I guess, aggressive and you're playing the short game, you know, and you take care of other people cause you're playing the long game, it always comes back. Yeah. And that's why like, I'm very confident that, you know, we, we wouldn't have a problem no matter which market we're in or anything, because we have such a strong network filled with very smart people and great people that, um, you know, I'm not afraid to take risk. Yeah. You know, sometimes because I know that I have the backing of a lot of, you know, people who I've helped and I have the same, you know, I take care of them as well. Yeah. So really the, the six figure deals is just because we have strong deal flow and we're in strong equity markets. Right. Are you doing as a primary mode of investing? Is it mostly fix and flip? Cause you've mentioned wholesaling too. Do you, does it mostly fix and flip that you're doing though? Is it when it comes to like the real estate investing side of it? Yeah, mostly it's fix and flip. And we do, we do like small residential ground developments, maybe up to eight houses. That's the most I'll probably do. Okay. Um, for, for us, we started flip with just like you, you know, flipping houses, yep. but we decided to vertically integrate because we wanted to basically flipping houses is active income, 
right? And uh, you'll be flipping houses forever if you're not preparing for something else, right? So we ended up selling some of our houses in our portfolio, you know, yep. that we we're holding on to. Okay. And uh, to start the different companies. And now we're switching our mind, our, our strategy more towards focusing on marketing and deal flow. And as the deals come in, well, once, since we're fully vertical in, in Seattle, when a lead comes in, you know, if it's a, okay, this is a retail uh, seller, yeah. then we'll sell it to a brokerage. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, okay, this is a pretty nice deal. Like somebody can make some good money on this. We'll wholesale it. But not only that, we'll offer the primary financing through our fund. And then we'll offer the construction crew if yeah. they need, because, okay. you know, not all builders are, can flip a house, you yeah, know, like yeah. it's, uh, yeah. you could be building for, you know, hundred years and you, you put yourself in a renovation project and then your head spinning, you know? Yeah. So, um, we do have crew that kind of specializes in, you know, rehab projects, um, okay. and ground up, you know, builds, but, uh, and then on the back list, the property through our brokerage, if the event that's kind of, okay, cool. All right, so let's let's move on a little bit. I, you talked about how to network and create that deal flow, but I also have a note here to talk to you about how you use partners and new investors to help you kind of fund, or not, not fund, fuel your business, kind of a win-win for everybody. How are you partnering with people? What does that structure look like? Um, it really depends. Uh, sometimes we'll, it's just a real clean equity. We divvy up... Uh, the investors bringing money and they don't want to be in the operation side. So we, you know, they can sit back, they'll maybe put up the gap funding uh, mm-hmm. for us. And then we execute, you know, we use our team, our crew. Um, so there's that, like just a, a real clean equity split on the partnership. And then we also, um, we, we have strategies that we refer to as equity. So it, one of our, some of our lenders will put them in a deal and give them debt, you know, a lean position okay. and equity. Okay. So the way that would work is like, um, we, they would invest. So they bring money and that money is used to fill the gap to close the deal and, and finish the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll pay them, you know, a certain interest return, maybe anywhere from 10 to 12% interest possibly. And then uh, we'll also give them a certain amount of equity and whichever one is higher at the end of the deal, th- that's what they'll get. So let's say um, it's a hundred thousand dollar net profit deal that we're looking at. Yeah. And we're projected to take <clears throat> six months. Then at, at 12% interest, you know, that's 1000 and he, the investor invests a hundred grand, let's say. Mm-hmm. So he's, he has a hundred thousand at 12% interest annual. So he's making a thousand dollars a month in interest. Yep. Our project is projected to take six months, right. And net a hundred grand. Yep. So the way we calculate his equity position is we, it's based on projections. So we take his projected earnings off his interest, which is 6,000 because he's making a thousand a month on 12% interest of a hundred thousand dollar investment. So he, we take that 6,000 and we divide that by the projected net profit, which for ease sake is a hundred grand. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we'll give him 12% interest APR or um, 6% equity in the, in the, in the deal. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Goal, and if your projections, yeah, and if your projections are low or whatever, then he's going to take the APR. He's going to take the interest, right? And if it's the, if it's a little higher, yeah. then maybe he'll go the other way. I got it. Gotcha. Yeah. The beauty of that is they get the security of being a debt lender, so they still get a promissory note and a mortgage, a lien recorded against the property. So they get the security of being a debt lender with the potential upside of being an equity partner, gotcha. investor. Gotcha. Right? And they get whatever's better, which is kind of cool, right? It's not like whatever's less, it's whatever's better. So that makes it really, really great. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's smart. That's a really smart way for people when they're starting off. Because a lot of people will go, oh, I just give my lender 50% of the deal. It's like, well, here's a better way. And it kind of gives them, like you said, it gives them some security in the deal, right? It's not like, hey, if this thing doesn't make money, I'm just out you know, my money. No, your, your, your principal is secured and you get the better of the two worlds, equity or debt. So I like that. It's very cool. Very smart. Um, I have an interesting question for you. I know that you got this on the bigger pockets podcast and this is, and I didn't hear your answer on that particular podcast. So what are the two reasons you should not get into real estate investing? Let's talk to people about if they're into it for the wrong reason, why should they not? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I just, uh, I just saw a video of, you know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark yeah, Tank. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, so, uh, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. He was saying like entrepreneurship and investing in real estate is not for everyone. You know, I think every if he was saying that if you can stomach, if you have the stamina to keep going and you're the type of person that will, you know, go through walls if you have to, then, uh, you know, this is the game you want to play. Yeah. Um, but for what would I say to, to people who don't want to, or I feel shouldn't get into real estate. I think if, uh, if they can't stomach risk, then, you know, that might be a reason. And the risks that we take are calculated, mm -hmm. right? They're very calculated risks and, you know, risk can be a subjective word, Right. Cause yeah. some, some people may think uh, in certain investment is risky. Like for, for me, for example, um, I think the stock market's risky. I think putting your, your money in the stock market's risky. Yeah. Yet people will say people who invest in the stock market say that putting your money in real estate's risky. Right. Cause yeah. of 08, they saw people get, you know, kind of slammed in, in that, that time. Yeah. But I feel that in real estate for us and what we do, if you understand the fundamentals and you're, and you're patient enough and you're not overly optimistic or aggress too aggressive and you don't over leverage, then real estate is far less riskier. Yeah. But it's still entrepreneurship. You're still playing, you know, real life monopoly, yep. right? It's not fake money. It's real money. Totally. So there's, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And so if you can't stomach the, that type of responsibility, then it may not be for you. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. So if you were going to start over and start, let's just say flipping houses like you did, let's say that was the mode you were going to go into. How would you get started nowadays? Knowing what you know now, how, how would you start that business for those of the folks that are listening right now who are like, on the cusp, you know, they haven't really taken the plunge yet, but they know they want to start. How, how would you start? And I won't pigeonhole you into flipping, but how would you start investing in real estate if you were going to start over? If I had to start over, I, I think I would focus a little bit more on, um, passive income because, uh, flipping houses is great. We make great money, 
Uh, but it is, it's, it's a full-time gig, you yeah. know, and yeah. it's uh, even, you know, I have a strong team, you know, and they're like family to me. They're like my family, but even with a team who are, you know, high performers, it's things slip through the cracks, you know, just like any business venture really. Sure. Yeah. But it's, yeah. So it's definitely, I, I think for me, I would start at least dipping my toe in, in multifamily, perhaps um, commercial, but you know, commercial is getting kind of killed right now. Yeah. So that, you know, that may not have been a, a smart move, but I feel that if you're doing both, it's hard to focus on both. Yeah. Right. And, but I, the, the true goal is financial freedom and and you can build a nice piggy bank to where you can go to other markets, you know, so it's, it's not a cash flow market. Yeah. So if, you know, the, the plan is to you know, take that over to an emerging market somewhere in the mainland and, you know, buy up a big part of a nice ROI on your portfolio. So I think I would fo- I would have focused more on cash flow deals mm-hmm. um, as well as equity because equity, honestly, has gotten me very far doing equity deals, um, fix and flip, wholesaling, uh, ground up developments. So, and it's been, it's worked out like really well, yeah. but then we decided to pivot and vertically integrate. So now we're kind of starting again, right? We're, our companies are maturing and they're maturing fast, but the goal is to systematize, yeah. up, uh, you know, and, and just manage the businesses until we can step out. Yep. So to start over again, just to summarize, there was a little pixelating and a little bit of audio issue, but basically it sounds like you would have went after more of a cash flow, um, passive income model to start with. So I, that, that makes sense. And I think w- with what we alluded to, what's coming in the market, uh, I think everyone would agree that we're probably going to come go back into a situation where people should be probably buying properties because there's going to be, uh, you know, the cost of homes are probably going to go down for various reasons and getting in there. I wish if I could go back to 2008, I would gobble up as many houses as I could because the equity that I would have gained over the last 10, 12 years would be astronomical. And I think that's going to happen again. Right. So man, well, listen, I could talk to you all day. You're super fascinating guy. You've got this vertically integrated scenario where you can basically service anybody at any time and it all feeds each other. It's brilliant. I love it. I love the kind of like the real practical approach that you have too, and real, just honest, honest advice, right? Like hundred K per deal. Listen, if you're sitting in like Michigan where I am, you may not do hundred K per deal, but right. It's about maximizing and creating that network and creating that deal flow where you can cherry pick, right? So maybe it's 50 K, maybe it's 75 K, but I love that real practical approach, man. Thanks for doing this. Once again, guys go to Keiko capital. I think it's Keiko capital.com. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. And yep. it's spelled K E capital.com. So go check it out, guys, and uh, and uh, see what he's got going on there. I checked out the website. Great website. Great product. I- I'm excited for you on that. Um, and I'm just happy to have you here, man. Anything else you want to share, how people can get a hold of you if they want, or any 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 parting words? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate you uh, having me on. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone uh, wants, yeah, feel free. You can. Um, I'm on social media. I kind of really like it on social media because I can interact with everybody and, and message people. And, and I post things like in my personal life too. Um, but I also post things that we do where, you know, we're doing, cause we do a lot of cool stuff. And in fact, I, I should post more because I got the, some things I'm like, Oh, I should have took a picture of that or video of that. You know, we do some pretty gnarly stuff, man. Some of the projects we buy 
Oh, you'd be surprised, man. And uh. that's why like our crew, I'm so proud of them, you know, like, and uh, they sweat every day, you know, and I could not do that job. I would hurt somebody or hurt myself by accident, you <laughs> yeah. know, if I was yeah. out there. So yeah. I give them a lot of credit, but they're like, I call them magicians because they, it's like true art, you know, they oh, turn yeah. a, a piece of junk into something beautiful totally. and I'm very proud of what we do. And so if anybody wants to follow along, you know, our journey, then feel free to um, follow me. I, it's just on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Corey.Nemoto. That's um, C-O-R-Y dot N-E-M-O-T-O. Got it. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, man. Appreciate thank it, man. you. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Enjoy Hawaii. I don't know if there's any any if there's any choice there. It's so beautiful. I've been there a few times. Hawaii is probably the closest thing to paradise on earth. So have have a great time. Enjoy yourself in Hawaii. I'll be thinking about you this winter. <laughs> we'll Thanks, see. Mike. All right, man. <laughs> have a good All right. Bye bye. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I had a good time. Corey's a smart guy, and uh, he knows his stuff. He's been doing this a while. And I love the uh, whole idea of vertically, vertically integrating his companies so that they all sort of, you know, kind of feed off each other and they all help each other become successful. And he has some pretty good models there. And I would go check out his fund. If you're looking for money to flip your houses, or you're buying holds, like he's a good guy to go talk to. I would go check those out. Uh, I also love his debt equity option that he gives his his private investors uh, on an individual basis from his from his project. I think that's really really cool, and it's a strategy I've not really heard anyone use. So uh, if you didn't really get that completely, go back and listen to it. Uh, it's a really really smart model, and it's a different way of doing it than I've ever heard before. So check that out, guys. But listen. It's all about execution. I talk about it all the time. You have to execute if you want to get anything out of life. I don't care what it is, whether it's real estate, some other business, losing weight, getting in shape, you know, making better relationships in your personal life. It all starts with you and it all starts with making the effort and executing on what you know you need to do. So get out there and execute, get it done, make today the best day ever. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words now, just start to the number 55444. So text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.